Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1800 060 896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. 27.9, Danger Zone, Barnes going for it, rolls up the sleeves now at the top of the lane, 200 metres left to run, Danger Zone clear, margin 4 metres, Leap to Fame still making ground on the outside, can't find a better man, trying to be the spoiler, Danger Zone in front, Leap to Fame, can't find a better man, can't find a better man, can't find a better man, turns them both over in the derby, beating home, Danger Zone and Leap And as a result, um, he's a, the favourite Chris Barsby on Saturday night. Good morning to you. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. I'll, I'll make this prediction now. He won't run favourite on Saturday night. Can't find a better man. Leap to fame has to run favourite for that derby. Where does he end up from that draw, however? Leap to fame? Yes. I think uh, he'll make a move at some point. So he might end up outside the leader again like he was last week. He was brilliant winning the Group 1 New South Wales derby. That was only three starts ago back in March. And that was at 2,400 metres. Keep in mind, he's had the two runs back this campaign during the carnival. Outstanding first up, chasing home ladies in red and better eclipse. So up against older rivals there and fresh. And then last week, uh, he lost no admirers last week, running second behind Can't Find a Better Man. He got past the leader danger zone. The fact that we go up to 2,600 metres, I think that's right in his wheelhouse. And uh, he's easily the horse to beat. And I'll be stunned if he's not the favourite come jump time there on Saturday night. Our first guest, Shannon Nixon, with us, Chris. Yeah, looking forward to this chat with Shannon Nixon. As we know, uh, Nixon Bloodstock, uh, they put plenty into this industry. They breed and sell a lot of horses. They're based in Victoria. They're part of Lara J Farm with Jess Tubbs and uh, Greg Sugars. And they've enjoyed the carnival so far with their star pacer, Triple Eight. He was brilliant scoring first up at the Mr. Feelgood. Last week in the Sunshine Sprint, uh, he finished at the rear of the field, less than 10 metres from his stable, made better eclipse. But he was absolutely motoring and ran the quickest sectionals of the race last week. So he's a, a great chance in the Grand Circuit race on Saturday night, in particular after landing the inside gate. Shannon's with us now. Shannon, good morning. Good morning, Good morning to your listeners. Uh, it's lovely to be chatting with you this morning. Are you making your way to Bris Vegas on the weekend? Yeah, mate. I'm coming up tomorrow. About midday, I'll get there. Um, I did have ambitions to be there for the Calcutta tonight, uh, but just a, a bit like a lot of people at the moment in Victoria, a bit a family afflicted with some illness. So um, just circumstances prevented that, which is a shame because I, it's, you know, I, I can see from afar all the great work the club's done in, in really making this a carnival and um, it's something that I'm in the sport to enjoy such events. But uh, nonetheless, maybe next year for the Calcutta, but certainly be up later to, uh, tomorrow. OK. You've obviously been enjoying the coverage from afar, but for, for you guys with Triple Eight and for, for Lara J Farm, Jess and Greg, it's been a heck of a carnival. Absolutely. I listened to your interview with Jess a couple of days ago and, you know, and she said they, they're sort of their three better horses they've taken up there. But that's only part of the equation, as, as everyone who knows this sport knows. To get horses peaking in big races, particularly off a trip away, um, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Greg's probably driving as well as anyone in Australia at the moment. He's absolutely in the zone. And uh, as a team, uh, they're doing, they're delivering great things. I think, it, you know, it was mentioned, the whole family operation, they've sort of played tag team in looking after the horses in Queensland and obviously being great to be able to enjoy the hospitality that Shannon Price has extended to the team. 
Uh, but oh, it's, it's unbelievable how well the team's going. It's a fantastic feather in their cap and reward for their work. Yeah, like I said on Tuesday, unfinished business. It's the big grand finale coming up this weekend. And Triple Eight is going to be a major player in this grand circuit race. What was the uh, the initial reaction after landing the inside gate with the barrier there on on Monday afternoon? Oh well, I was I was elated because you know barrier one in in these big races is just the easiest path to getting a decent uh, check. I think we've seen that time and time again. We know um, you know that he can really hit the line good. So if he's already on the fence, that's half the battle. Uh, and then I won't lie, Chris, I was sitting there hoping turn it up wouldn't draw the front row. And he waited until the second last tile and he drew the front row. And um, and since then, I sort of, I guess I've looked at the draw a bit, but what, the beauty of barrier one is you, you don't have to really, you know, do a great deal of thinking about it. A lot of it will play out and, and his fate will be known, you know, in terms of where he's positioned in the first 200 metres. And beyond that, uh, you know, uh, we rely on other factors. It depends how close to the leaders he can be. But I have to say... Um, I'm really thrilled that Greg's decided to partner him because, as I said, he's, he, he, that's a bloke on a mission at the moment and um, you know, we couldn't be in better hands. Well, that, that, that only came through yesterday, that news, that Greg's opted off Better Eclipse to partner Triple A. Chris Alford gets the drive now on Better Eclipse. What was the thinking there? Do you know the rationale behind that move of Greg to, to swap horses? Um. No, I, I, I don't know. I guess on paper you'd go and say, well, um, you know, he's got he's got the better draw. Having said that, it's hard to make a case that any horse in Australia is racing better than better Eclipse at the moment. Um, basically, almost immediately post-draw on Monday, Greg had said he was, he was thinking about driving Triple Eight. So, actually, when you asked if you could chat to me Wednesday or Thursday on the radio, I thought, well, by Thursday we'll definitely know who's driving him. So we'll... <laughs> We'll wait till then, and I'll be honest with you, mate, uh, about 5 o'clock last night, he, he sent through uh, the word that that was what his intention was. Um, and, yeah, look, I, I think, um, the, obviously, the, 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 the two horses work a lot together at home, and I don't think there's a lot that separates them. I think certainly better Eclipse is a more versatile horse. He's probably got a few more strings to his bow than Triple Eight, but I reckon um, when it comes down to setting up how you would want to race one for Triple Eight, that's probably going to be this Saturday night. So I'm really, I'm really pleased that, that Greg's backing him in that regard. He came second in a Vic Cup last year. He's come third in an Auckland Cup. Um, so this is uh, probably his best chance at, you know, again, getting on the podium in a Grand Circuit, in a Grand Circuit race, which we're stoked about. Well, we know he's class. There's no doubt about it. His record speaks for itself. He's got 20 wins, earning just shy of $600,000. But he really set tongues wagging with that first up victory in the Mr. Feelgood. Coming from last, just sweeping down the outside. That that was phenomenal that night. Yeah, it was. It was great to own a horse who delivered that because I don't care who you are in any endeavour. There's nothing more exciting than seeing that sort of speed or finishing burst, whether it's the gallops or whether it's athletics or, or football. You know, when you see that sort of um, that point-to-point speed. So to actually, I love that sort of finish. And then to be cheering him on um, in his ownership and go from, you know, in the space of two seconds from last to knowing, we, you know, that he had it won. It was just so exciting. And, uh, I mean, loved your call as well, mate. And uh, it was just, yeah, that was one of my biggest buzzes I've had racing the horse. And I know Scott Plant, who bred this horse and still owns 50% of him with us, 
he said it was just about his favourite ever victory. And he's had, uh, well, that was win number 20, but something about those wins that really um, gets the adrenaline pumping. And uh, I found it hard to get to sleep that night, to be honest. Well, I wanted to ask, uh, you've had a great ride with Triple H since he's come across to Australia, and he's knocked up winning a lot of features, including the Bendigo Cup. But that, that victory there rates just as high as anything else that you've achieved with him? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the group one at, at Bendigo was... Um, that was a, a big buzz because we felt, felt like um, the horse, that was as good as he'd ever gone. Um, and, like, he's seven. I mean, he didn't race it too, Chris. So he, he was well looked after when he was in New Zealand in the care of the Telfers. Um, but at some point when they get to this stage of their career, you start to, you know, you start to, to wonder and uh, where, where's his peak and that. But it was just about career best the other night. Obviously, the race, you know, the circumstances and the map really were run to favour him. But there are a few very, very highly rated horses that got, you know, that were, were a lot closer and, you know, were given lots of equal favours in that race. And, they, and you know, he went straight past them. So, yeah, it was that was a very, very satisfying win and, and, and very enjoyable. OK. The more I look at Saturday night's feature, the more confusing it gets. Yeah, there's some obvious ones there with gate speed and all that. But... Uh, Every horse in this field looks like they've got some sort of hope, given the right sort of circumstances. Uh, it, it's going to be a really competitive race. Oh, I agree. I think um, in the absence of, you know, I mean, very rarely we get the horses that can just make their own luck and, and do it anyway, like a, potentially, you know, a Lazarus or a Lock and Bar Art or, or potentially King of Swing, who, you know, has the last three years just been able to, you know, dominate fields. Um, but... You're right. In with this, a field like this on Saturday night, the circumstances that you can make a case for just about every runner in the field. And I'll be honest with you, the I think a lot will be determined on on like a wildfire, you know, successfully um, transiting overnight. I mean, that, I'm not sure of the circumstances with the flight. Um, he obviously is a. I mean, his second favourite, and he's you know he's he's two thousand kilometres away as we speak. Now, if he makes the trip. He is a horse that, you know, can do work um, and is he's absolutely airborne at the moment. So um, I think there's a lot to play out and a lot dependent on, on, on like a wildfire making it to Queensland tomorrow, which for his connections, I hope, I hope they do. And it certainly will change the, the, the race, I think. Mm. In saying that, if he does arrive and, you know, everything's good to go for Saturday night, is he... Is he the horse to beat, uh, from your perspective, given that he's beaten better Eclipse, he's beaten Triple Eight, I think, three starts ago. So has he got all the right credentials to be the horse to beat on Saturday night? Well, I, I think he has, but it's hard to go past Spirit of St. Louis. I think he's rightly the favourite in the race. I mean, um, he obviously, you could say that the Mr. Feelgood, his run in the Mr. Feelgood was an aberration. He was clearly better last week. He's got tactical speed and... Um, you know, he's got a great driver, a great trainer. So I think with his draw, I would still probably have him over like a wildfire. Having said that, um, I mean, I was, you know, like a wildfire struck terror into us when he sat outside Triple Eight, and, uh, you know, and dealt to us here about a month ago. So, um, yeah, i got great respect for like a wildfire, but I'd probably still have um, Spirit of St. Louis as the horse to beat. Okay. How many of the ownership group will be trackside on Saturday night, or are you flying solo? No, no, no. We've got a big crew. Uh, Father Glash will be up there, and he's um, carted his uh, sister and brother-in-law up there as well. And 
and Scott and Barbara are over from New Zealand and their daughter's flying over and then all of us guys from back at Sparta are all attending as well uh, with our partners. So, no, we'll have a decent posse there. Okay. I've got to ask about the pacing priest, Father Brian Glasheen. He's well known throughout the industry. He loves these big meetings. He loves getting around the country. But the fact that he shares in the ownership of Triple Eight, how much joy has that brought to him? Yeah, well, a lot, uh, in short. I mean, he's probably the best person to answer that, but it's amazing how um, how it really has got a spring in his step. And um, it's it's been great to share that with him. That's just been such a big part of our enjoyment, is seeing how much it means to Glash and, and how proud he is of the horse. And I think he's um, uh, he might be uh, rising 84. And, um, you know, he's just... Um, yeah, no, nah, he's, he's getting a great buzz. He's had a lifetime in the sport and he's so well known by everybody. And he certainly runs the PR campaign for the horse down here. Um, he's still knocking over two or three funerals a week um, around the Bacchus Marsh area. And I'm not sure if the deceased is even getting a mention when Triple Eight's um, running in the form that he's in. It's all a Triple Eight show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, good times. So obviously he's got Saturday night and then looking ahead with the Inter Dominion being in your backyard later this year. Uh, the, the pacing priest is going to be up and about, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. But don't let him discount. I think um, probably once every couple of months he'll ask me where the uh, next three Inter-Dominions will be as well because he's a busy man and he likes to plan ahead and uh, he fills in those calendars that occupy the back of your diary where it lets you go a few years ahead for planning. So he's got no plans of retiring this horse and, and certainly no plans of... Um, of not being trackside to any of the Inter-Dominions in the, um, in the near future. He's uh, not very much looking forward to Queensland next year. Well, it's good to know because we've got the Inter-Dominion here next year, so there's every chance that uh, Father Glasheen is going to be trackside. And just on that, with the Inter-Dominions, he loves the Inter-Dominions, that, uh, that traditional series for, for harness racing, which proves the, the best of the best. How many Inter-Dominion series has he attended, do you think? When we first got into the horse in 2019, I think he'd said he'd been to something like 51 or 52. It, was, it started with a five anyway. It's a bloody lot of them, yeah. Well, that, that is quite phenomenal. But great to know that uh, there's going to be a good cheer squad for Triple Eight trackside on Saturday night. He's running from the inside gate. Uh, it's always a big plus. We know that Greg Sugars won a Queensland pacing championship a few years ago. The Blacks of Fakers now a combination of the Winter Cup and the Blacks uh, and the Queensland Pacing Championship. So he knows what's required to win this type of race. And uh, as you said, there's probably no driver going better than Greg Sugars right now. So there's a lot to be excited about this weekend. Yeah, no, we're very excited. And we think uh, that's right. The, the horse is well and we're in good hands, mate. So we just hope for a safe passage for all all horses and participants and and the breaks to come where Triple Eight needs them. And, um, yeah, no, we're really looking forward to it, Chris, and looking forward to uh, hearing your calls on track as well. Well, there's only one favour I've got to ask. When you head up, just bring the other uh, weather gods with you. It's a little bit wet and windy up here today and forecast for tomorrow. So if you can just bring the other weather gods and clear it for Saturday, that'll be much appreciated. Father Glash might be your best bet there, though. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff, Sharon. Really appreciate the chat. We'll see you trackside on Saturday night. Thank you, mate. Bye bye. There's Shannon Nixon from Nixon Bloodstock. He's one of the co owners of Triple Eight, and he's going to be one of the major players on Saturday night in this Grand Circuit race. The Blacks are fake. It's race number eight on the program. Start time for the feature 
8.45. The horse that they all have to beat, according to the punters, is Spirit of St. Louis. He's yet to strike at Grand Circuit level, but he runs the favourite, and for obvious reasons, his form this season has been absolutely sublime. Trained by Cobbity Equine, Belinda McCarthy, and Jack Kelligan has just got this wonderful rapport with this pacer that looks like he is peaking at the right time. And Jack Kelligan joins us now. Jack, really appreciate the time. No worries. Good morning, Chris. How have you found the Tad Constellations up here in Brisbane over the past couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been really enjoyable. It's, um, you know, always good to get out of the Sydney cold through the winter and um, Brisbane is a beautiful city, so it's been good. Has the style of racing surprised you in any way, shape or form, or are you used to it now when you go around to these carnivals that it's hard and fast all the time? No, it hasn't really surprised me. It, you know, as you'd expect, when all the best trainers and drivers and horses are there, it's always really good, strong, competitive racing, so it's great to be a part of it. All right. Spirit of St. Louis he's had the four runs this campaign. He scored uh, first up, then he was able to go back-to-back second up. Finished fourth two starts ago behind Triple Eight and the Mr. Feelgood, a runner-up and unlucky last week in the Sunshine Sprint. I'll put it to you straight up. With a little bit more luck, does he win that race last week? Yeah, I think he does, Chris. He was motoring home on the inside then and only got out with, you know, probably 120 metres to go. So um, if he had a bit of luck, yeah, I definitely think he goes real close. 26-8 was the last quarter. The winner was perfectly rated, but the fact that Spirit of St. Louis made ground in that sort of time, it's just quite unbelievable, really. Yeah, his last furlong would have been, you know, probably 12 and a half, I reckon. He, he was really motoring up the straights, even though it was a quick quarter. We, the whole field really didn't even start sprinting until probably at least a 300, so I was rough with his run, and um, really looking forward to Saturday night. Do you think he's at that same type of level and form right now compared to, say, back earlier in the year when he was running those great races, in particular in lead-up to the Miracle Mile? Is he at that same level? I think last week's run definitely put a massive step towards that. Um, obviously, two starts back, you know, it was no secret. He was disappointing, but um, I don't think he could have gone any better than he did on Saturday. So um, I know the team's had a good week with him up there and um, I'll be driving him like the best horse in the race and hopefully that's how it is. Okay, 2,680 metres this race on Saturday night. Is there any concern about the trip? No, no concerns at all, Chris. He's raced over the trip um, majority of this season and handled himself really well through it, so that's definitely not a concern. Okay. Tell me how you read this race early. It's uh, it's quite confusing the more you look at it. Alter Orlando and Turn It Up, they naturally look the gate speed horses, but they're both handover horses. Could you be the first one up on the outside looking and challenging for the lead soon after the start here? Yeah, for sure. I think that'll be the way. Um, you know, either Alter Orlando or Turn It Up look like the early um, leaders going in that first turn. Um, I know Triple Eight, he's also shown really good gate speed at times, but um, he probably just hasn't finished off as well as, you know, he can when he's used out of the gate. So I think um, Greg will probably take the more conservative approach on that, um, just especially with the speed that both those two other runners have. So, you know, hopefully 
they do a bit early and then we're the first one on the scene to go and take the front. All right. Just on that uh, with Triple Eight, were you surprised that Greg picked off Better Eclipse to go with Triple Eight or did you think that was the natural thing given the barrier draw? I don't know whether I was surprised that, you know, they're both really good horses in great form and um, Triple Eight, you know, just on paper you'd think that one's better than eight, so um, he's the more seasoned campaigner and he's performed at this level before, so I don't think it was too much of a surprise. Okay. I'm keen to get your thoughts on Like a Wildfire. He's the X-Factor horse going into this race on Saturday night because we haven't seen him here previously, but... All you can do is win, and he's got that picket fence going. He's chasing four straight victories here on Saturday night. He beat up on the reigning into Dominion champ last week at Ballarat. Two starts ago, he beat Better Eclipse. Three starts ago, he beat Triple Eight. So his form is sensational. How do you rate this guy from that wide draw? Um, I think if both horses at their best, my horse is still um, better. I, I think, you know, when he came up to Sydney... Earlier on through the Carnival and Miracles, he wasn't really up to these horses' level. Like, he was competitive, but just with midfield runs, um, you know, it seems like he might have improved a little bit this preparation, but he kind of hasn't been doing any work in his runs, and he's just been running a real solid last half. So as long as I can stay in front of him, I'm not really too concerned about that run. Okay, so you're not swapping drives for anything? No, not at all. I think I've got the best horse in the race and, yeah, I'm going to drive and lock it. What is it with you and this horse, Spirit of St. Louis? It's like hand and glove. You just go together. Uh, the, the the record that you're building uh, with each other is just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I think it's just a good horse, Chris. It, once you get on good horses, it, all you've got to do is kind of point them in the right direction and they do the rest, so... I've just been lucky enough that I've picked him up at the start of the year and um, we've had a bit of luck together and I'm really enjoying the ride. Mm. In saying that, though, when you're driving these good horses, it brings pressure and there's a lot of focus, in particular on a horse like Spirit of St. Louis. And this has been right throughout the year of 2022. You're going around in these big races, big things are expected, but you, you just handle, you eat that pressure, it seems. Yeah, I think you just got to treat them like any other race, you know. You know, the same difference. There's, there's 10 horses out there, 10 drivers all trying to do the same job, so it's no different to if you're racing for, you know, on a Tuesday at Manning or for $10,000. You just got to treat it like that. And, you know, you got to know your form, know your horse and its capabilities along with everyone else's. So as long as you're, you know, if you're going out there with a clear head and, um, you know, you just got to do what's best for your horse and hopefully it works out. Okay. Um, the other thing with Spirit of St. Louis on Saturday night, he's yet to win a, a true Grand Circuit race, but is this his best opportunity? Yeah, no doubt. He's obviously run two seconds in this year's Grand Circuit races in the Hunter Cup and Miracle Mile, both flying King a swing and now that he's out of the picture, I think it's a great chance for him to step up and really assert himself as the best horse in the country. All right. Well, we look forward to that. A couple of other key drives for you on Saturday night in Group 1 features. What about Steno? Uh, I thought she was tremendous last week in the South East Oaks, the lead-up to Saturday night's Group 1 Queensland Oaks. Was she just a bit too fresh last week and just got a little bit of revving mid-race? Yes, yeah, she was fresh. She, 
she um, wanted to rev up a little bit when you know the move started coming around. And then, unfortunately, on that second last turn, she just kicked the wheels a couple of times. Um, so we'll just put a little bit of a longer bike on her, and I think um, that should put her down enough. And, you know, obviously, last run will probably take the edge off her a little bit, so she won't be too fresh. But really looking forward to getting back on her, and I think she's a great chance. Okay, you think you can beat a Moro Vita? Yeah, of course. She did it last week, and I can't see why she can't do it again. Okay. She's a very promising filly, though, this one, isn't she? Cam Ross has done a big job with her. Yeah, for sure. She's, you know, from the first time I drove her at the trials before she'd even raced, she gave me a great feel, and um, I really wanted to stick with her. So um, Cam's done a great job managing her. Um, she's a group one winner already this year, so um, full credit to Cam. Yeah, absolutely. And in the group one Queensland derby, Muscle Bart, he was the big winner with the Barry draw on Monday afternoon. He lands the ace last week. He had the inside of the second row. So just the barrier alone, that's a big plus. Yeah, massive help is the barrier, Chris. He, I was really uh, wrapped with his run last week. He, you know, for slow tempo, tempo really attacked the line through the middle. And um, as you said, the draw will be a massive help. So I think it's a really good place chance. Yeah, he was one of very few runners last week that made ground. It was a, a super slick last 800, 54-3, but uh, you were able to pick off quite a few horses there over the last 200 metres or so. Yeah, he, he was travelling really well throughout. Um, you know, just off that slow speed, never got a chance to get a card into it, so we just punched through the middle and he uh, really attacked the line well, so I'm looking forward to getting on him again. All right, and the other group one is the Trotters Cup. Majestic Harry, you've been with this guy for his last three starts. He's been a runner-up last week in a group two Trotters sprint. He was a runner-up in the group one DJA two starts ago. He's right there, isn't he? He's going to crack a big one very soon. Yeah, he's a great little Trotter, this bloke. Um, team's done a good job with him. and um, you know, He's all trot. He's, he's really versatile. He showed great gate speed last week. Um, he can come from behind. He can do work in his run, so um, he's been a nice drive to pick up over the carnival and hopefully he gets a little bit of luck this week and can go from second to first. Do you get flooded with instruction by one of the co-owners with this horse? Yeah, definitely. I don't hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, best of luck with all those uh, Group 1 drives on Saturday night. Just on you, Jack... Uh, your, your star continues to sort of new heights each and every week. Uh, you've got six Group 1 victories already. Uh, you're only 20 years of age. You're, you're part of the comedy team uh, as well, working with Luke and Belinda McCarthy. How big an advantage is it working alongside Luke? Yeah, massive. He, he's been a great uh, mentor for me as a driver. And um, I think he's really helped me, you know, take a step from probably even just like a metropolitan driver right onto that grand circuit. He, um, you can really talk him through the races and um, pick his brain. And, you know, he's obviously the best tactical driver in the country. So it's uh, great to have such a close, close relationship with him and definitely benefited my career a lot. Mm, I know Toddy's a big fan of yours as well. Do you take in a bit of that US action? Yeah, I love the US racing, follow it hard and... Uh, keeping in contact with Toddy a bit, so it's uh, great to see him doing uh, so well over there, and uh, it's really enjoyable to watch as well.
Is that an ambition of yours in time to come that uh, you want to get up there to uh, North America and just have a little bit of a poke around? Yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, something I'm very passionate about. I like the style of racing there, hard, fast mile racing and, um, you know, the lifestyle. They get to travel all around the country as well. You know, if you can make it in that top echelon, the financial benefits are really good as well. So uh, definitely something that I'd like to look forward to, but I've got a few things to accomplish here first. Okay, hopefully there's a Grand Circuit victory coming your way on Saturday night. And just on your dad, is he one of your biggest fans going around? Yeah, he is. Um, dad and mum, they're both massive supporters of me. Um, you know, he's got a small little team towards Newcastle that, that he does a really good job with and um, gets a few city winners with them too. So, um, you know, he's the first one to bring congratulate me and... Um, they're, you know, they're both great supporters, mum and dad, and as well as all my extended family. Yeah, no, he's a great horseman, your father, Mark Kelligan. So all the best there. Hey, really appreciate the time this morning. Uh, looking forward to Saturday night. Hopefully you get that elusive Grand Circuit victory with your favourite horse, Spirit of St. Louis. No, no worries. Thanks very much, Chris. There's Jack Kelligan joining us. Uh, he's one of the bright stars of the sport. There's no doubt about it. And he's got a, uh, an outstanding opportunity to, uh, to claim the biggest race of the Tad Constellations with the other uh, Tad Blacks of Fake on Saturday night. Let's go west now. We've got a, uh, another big race program coming through from Gloucester Park tomorrow night. Matty Young joins us each and every Thursday morning. He's online with us now. Matty, good morning. Good morning to you, Chris. Uh, first and foremost, update me on Wonderful to Fly, a scratching last week. Is there anything to report? Uh, yeah, she had filling in her leg um, and Shane, as she was noticeably sore and lame on Friday. So Shane has uh, decided to scratch her. Um, it was cause for concern, but uh, the filling in the leg would suggest he was hoping to be possibly abscess or something to do with the foot. So he's... Um, He's pretty confident that that's what has happened and the filling has gone down a bit and she has improved with treatment following uh, Friday's scratching. So uh, he actually had the vet organised to come out and see her on Saturday morning and the vet uh, was struck down with COVID-19. So um, he has had a telephone consult and he's treating her. She was going to have a little freshen up after that run Friday. So, um, yeah, it's it's positive signs. Uh, he, he's pretty... He was more so on the nervous side just because of the small percentage chance that something could be wrong. But um, he was pretty confident that he had identified that it was more to do with a foot and probably an abscess. Abscesses burst around this time of year. It's pretty a notorious time of year for them. So... Um, yeah, he's pretty confident that that's, that's what it is and uh, there have been positive reports since. All right, well, that's that's good news. So uh, we wish her a speedy recovery. Hypothetically, we've got the Group 1 Queensland Oaks taking shape here on Saturday night. We've got uh, several good fillies, uh, Amore Vita, Steno, not to be denied, who's the quickest filly in the country so far this season. There's no just hope and there's a few others, but how do you think Wonderful to Fly would have handled that field on Saturday night? Yeah, look, I think um, Shane really, he he would have loved to have been able to go over and try and 
partake in that series. But there's there's just um, so many, so many spoils over here in the West to be able to continue to stay here. So um, risk v reward. He decided to stay here, but. He is of the opinion that she'd be able to race the best fillies in the country and definitely um, put a hand up at the business end and be a player. Um, when he's not going to come out. He's a very reserved man. and He's not going to come out and say that he thinks he'll win. But, um, yeah, he, he's pretty confident she could sit on speed and do her best work. I, I actually think she's a better sit-kick horse. So I think when she gets in the better company, I'm really looking forward to her racing in the... WA Derby taking on the boys because she is more likely going to be a forgotten horse in that race. So, yeah, I, I think um, she would have held herself in very good stead in the Queensland Oaks and against the best fillies in the country. I think she's right up there. I think she has to be included in um, the top half dozen um, yeah. just because she races in the West and she's not really um, being challenged. It's just a sign of how good she is, is that she is better than uh, most of the fillies here in WA until something can put their hand up uh, in the spotlight. Obviously, looks to be the one, but uh, apart from her, the others, she seems to have their measure at this stage. Mm, yeah, I've got no doubt that she's right in the conversation. And I know there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and next year, but I think the Eureka will confirm that there's going to be a lot of uh, eyes watching Wonderful to Fly because uh, I think she'll uh, gather a lot of interest uh, as far as being a, a potential key runner for that Eureka race coming up uh, at the end of next year. So we'll wait well, and see. But uh, let's keen, just... He's very keen to go to the, that race. Um, he's very keen to travel east with her next year, uh, Ladyship Mile, those sort of races, because the HWOE system, the handicapping system over here, will put her basically in free-for-all. So I think uh, next year she'll be... Uh, after a break, she'll be very much lining up a few of those races, and he has earmarked the Eureka as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with a once-in-a-lifetime horse, so he would be very interested in going across to that. Mm, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised. Uh, we've got nine races coming through tomorrow night. Uh, it's a good program. The feature is the Group 3, the Lewis, for the Phillies and Mares, but just one other thing I wanted to chat to you about this morning uh, the first race tomorrow night is the Noah George race night, which is scheduled for August 19th. So we're a couple of weeks ago. For those that don't know, Noah George is the son of a trainer over there, Michael George and uh, Prue, Prue Willis-George. Uh, but he's going through a really tough time. He's a, uh, a very bright and bubbly young kid, uh, Noah, uh, Matt. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's a tough time for everyone involved, in particular with Noah, but... Uh, it's great to see the industry starting to rally around this family, and uh, a big night is planned for August 19. Yeah, it's a fantastic initiative to be able to put the race night together, and people are encouraged to um, donate, I think it's $500, to have uh, a race named after them, all, all proceeds, and we'll be going to uh, the family and the continued support of the family. Um, Prue had to give up her full-time job to uh, stay at home with him and be able to travel up and back to Perth for treatment. Uh, it's just, it really is horrible that um, children just so innocent and this sort of stuff, you just can't believe that would happen to them. And But on the other side of the coin, um, the resilience and the toughness of kids, because they're just, they're not, they're not aware of that this is a debilitating and 
a horrible disease and illness that they have. And um, his strength and and heart during this has just been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, he never complains. Um, he always handles everything. Uh, like you think of chemotherapy and the needles, and he's only four years of age. So, like, it's just it's a remarkable to see the resilience of children um, going and visiting him at the children's hospital. It's, the cancer ward is so very sad a place and to see how many families have to go through this with children who are just so innocent it's just really really depressing and um he's doing everything right and he's he's going through the treatment so well so fingers crossed he continues to fight the good fight and it's it is a true testament of the industry here in wa that um when things head south everyone does rally together for a good cause and uh, this is as good a cause as we've seen in a long time oh absolutely i i, I couldn't have said it better uh, i think there's going to be a lot of support for that night august 19 so it's only weeks away i think all of those race name uh, packages that were put forward sold out instantly so it just shows the support uh is there for the uh, the george family and nowhere in particular and I, I think it's only going to get bigger and stronger from the uh, the east coast of the country as we get close to that date because we're starting to to see and, and learn a lot more about it so uh, i think there'll be a, a great rally of support from the entire industry uh, as we approach august 19. yeah it's uh, really fantastic and michael and pro have been um so tough within themselves and yeah um i think uh, yeah just everyone involved uh, it's just and what uh, carlton football club did for noah uh two weeks ago here at optus stadium to allow him and his brother cruz to be able to run out with sam doherty who's had his own troubles with his Ill, uh, with health in the past few years and sir patrick cripps it was just a really touching uh, touching moment from the Carlton Football Club to be allow allow um, Noah to be able to do that it was just uh, fantastic so yeah, full full credit to them and um, yeah hopefully in 12 months time we're talking about how he's uh, back to living a normal life and being able to be a kid again yeah absolutely the, the smile on his face that day uh, you know standing there with Sam and Patrick uh, it, it was worth more than gold it was just a pure delight absolutely so we wish them uh, all the very best, and let's just hope that everyone gets around that race night. So August 19, uh, nine races coming through tomorrow night. You need to steer us into a, a winner. What have you found? Uh, race eight on the program is uh, a race over 21.30. Orlando Blues having his third run back from a spell. It looks like there could be some speed in the race. So I've got the feeling the Kraken, uh, who was a good second two starts ago at Pinjarra, will try and lead. Um, so that sort of takes Vespa's chances. If Vespa led, Vespa would probably win. So this is sort of a map-dependent race. I thought the Kraken would try and lead and hold. Uh, Vespa would probably be up outside them early. And then if they settled, Orlando Blue would be able to get into the race pretty comfortably. Third up should be spot on with fitness. And I think uh, he's a pretty nice horse that hasn't had a great deal of luck his first two runs back. So uh, I think Orlando Blue's the way to go. Race eight, number nine, tomorrow night. All right, we'll put a big circle around it. Race eight, number nine. Matty, as always, really appreciate the chat. And uh, we'll catch up again next week. Cheers, Chris.